The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that will never bring in our reserves, no matter how many runs we are up. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and the rest of you can stay on the bench. Yeah, there's no letting up. Look, I would love to have the the pod. What is the podcast equivalent of bringing in Edmundo Sosa? I don't know, uh, let alone Garrett it, Stubbs. <laughs> I think it's probably us, actually. <laughs> We are the Edmundo Sosa baseball podcasting. It was great to just like, I think what was so funny, I, we're jumping ahead here because the Phillies kicked the D-backs ass and it was an absolute snooze fest. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Jordan. That's Jake. It was so weird. Like when Edmundo Sosa and Jake Cave like stepped at to the plate, I was like, man, I haven't seen these guys in weeks, if not months. Like it just looked so weird to see somebody different in the batter's box. Like for a second, like I was like, who is that? Even knowing he's on the roster. That's so funny because for me, I've been at every single Phillies postseason game this year Mm -hmm. covering them. And therefore, these gentlemen are a regular presence in my day. And I consider them as characters in the story. However, I totally understand why they do not hold that same (laughs) presence for you okay let's get into the game you skip to the end phillies 10 diamond bag zero however it was a tale of two games the first six innings were mm, the first five and a half innings were a whole lot closer than that aaron nola for the phils merrill kelly for the diamondbacks nola has been really good so far this october kelly the same and Merrill Kelly presented a very interesting matchup for the Phillies. Kelly is the king of the kitchen sink right now in baseball. He has six pitches, five of them he throws at least 10% of the time, and he has great command of all of them. And the changeup is his best offering. He throws his changeup basically more often than most righties throw their changeup to right-handed batters, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, how did things play out through the first uh, first five and a half innings here, Jordan? Yeah, so, I mean, from the rip, first of all, uh, a play, a first play of the game, Trey Turner, just disastrous error. Now, not didn't end up being disastrous, but it was just like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? I believe that is error number three in the last week or so for him. He goes from looking outrageously confident to a yip geyser yeah. over there. And he is making very rudimentary mistakes. The error on this play, here's why this one happened. 
it's a slowly hit ball from Corbin Carroll that takes a, a slightly odd hop off the mound. The issue, though, is that he's not charging this ball. Anything that is hit off the bat of Corbin Carroll that is not right at you with zip, you, you need you to best go get be it. coming to get it. You got to charge that ball. And so he realizes his mistake too late and kind of gets in between two hops. And he would have been safe anyway because yeah. he was very passive to the ball. So it's like, all right, Trey's yippee and yippee again. Mm-hmm. Nola bears down. No problem. Strikes out. No problem. Strikes no out the problem. next two batters. Yep. Gets Christian Walker, the four hitter on a pop up. Mm-hmm. Phillies come to the plate. Kyle Schwarber, shockingly, does not homer. Does not swing. He doesn't even swing does at the swing. first pitch. Doesn't even need to. Doesn't, doesn't even, even need, need to. Because he's like, I have my my friend Trey will do this in a couple of seconds, which is exactly what happens. Trey Turner on the second pitch he sees after Schwarber grounds out. Um, well, you're missing first, a key yep. one. On the first pitch Turner sees, he swings mm-hmm. and throws the bat the entire way down the left field line, goes and gets a different bat, walks back to the plate and cracks a dinger. Um, a, a beautiful swing. Trey Turner, while, of course, he's become known more for his power in recent years. We saw it in the, in the WBC. We saw it, of course, in the second half of this season. It's, it's an interesting kind of home run aesthetic because he's not a big person. But the swing, especially with the one-handed finish, is just so smooth when he connects with a fastball like that. It is, uh, it is just beautiful to watch. And and this was one of, I believe, one of his five hardest hit balls of the season. 110 exit velo uh, is not what you're normally going to see from Trey Turner. I mean, it's it's not like totally out of character, but it is definitely one of his hardest hit balls of the season. Just beautiful. And while the Citizens Bank Park crowd had to wait a whole batter, an entire plate appearance before Yikes. they could lose their minds once again, Trey Turner decided, guys, I got you. You won't have to wait too long. And here we go. And then at this point, it's like, oh, well, all right, it's going to be 50 to nothing uh, in a hurry. But no, because Merrill Kelly bears down. And Merrill Kelly, with the exception of Kyle Schwarber, who we'll get to, and Trey Turner, was pitching quite well. He, I was really impressed with him tonight, truly. But that is the danger of the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm-hmm. In our recent roundtable over at Fox Sports, our editor asked me to write about, are the Phillies being too reliant on the home run ball? And I said, my good dude, in this month, this month of October, when the leaves turn a crusty, rusty orange, there is no such thing as being too reliant on the home run ball because it can get you out of many a sticky situation. Merrill Kelly was great. Phillies got him three times. 3-0, simple ass. Those are the only three hits. Those are the only three hits he allowed. Mm -hmm. He gets popped by Schwarber on a laser in the third. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the bathroom in the sixth and I missed Schwarber's second homer. I actually still <laughs> haven't watched it. I should have been to watch that. Yeah, you should watch it. So basically, again, we're, we're flying past a, an excellent Aaron Noah outing. I know you, you wrote about him for Fox. I wrote about Schwarber. Uh, we're recording this very late on Tuesday night after we finish our writing responsibilities and because you have to fly to Arizona in the morning. I'll talk about Nola after. Sure. But let's okay. focus on Schwarber here. Sure. So Schwarber, again, in the in the third inning, um, he takes uh, an outside changeup uh, for ball one. And then the first pitch, 
this was just a mistake. Moreno wanted a fastball outside. It just leaks too far over. It was basically the same mistake that Gallon made, except not quite as bad. Schwarber, on the, on TV, it sounded like he broke his bat, which I don't think he did, but it was definitely like off the end of the bat. But he's Kyle Schwarber, so it's still 104 exit below. Goes uh, barely over the right field fence, but it all counts the same. That's what made it 2 nothing. But again, Kelly goes back to work. He doesn't allow a hit again until Schwarber comes back up in the sixth. He's only at 70 pitches through five innings. Um, he strikes out the side in the fifth. And so you're thinking, all right, like right, let's send Kelly back out there, even if he's going to face Schwarber a third time. And this at-bat against Schwarber was the at-bat that I wrote about a little bit at Fox. I know you talked to, to Kyle about this, um, so I included some of those quotes. But basically what happened was Merrill Kelly decided, all right, no more fastballs, right? My changeup is my go-to. We're just going to go back to the combio. So he throws the first two pitches, our changeups outside, kind of non-competitive. So it's 2-0. And at this point, it's like, all right, well, okay, maybe he doesn't want to throw a fastball, but he does have four other pitches. <laughs> like He could have maybe tried something else, but he sticks to the changeup. He leans into his strength. He throws the third 2-0. He throws a changeup, perfect location, down and away. Again, the one that he got Schrober to roll over on earlier in the game, and then he took for a ball in the second at-bat. And then... So now it's 2-1, and it's like, all right, you were really going, you know, fourth time's a charm, fourth time's a charm indeed for Kyle Schwarber. He throws the same pitch again, and Schwarber is ready for it this time. It doesn't quite get out far enough. He made the adjustment. He saw the exact pitch that he needed to see, and to throw it again to a guy like him, um, who's clearly locking in over these last two games, is just not going to work out for well, well for you. And this one was no cheapy. Unlike the first home run that barely went over the fence, this one goes... 427 feet, uh, almost to the Phillies bullpen in right center. And uh, now it's 3-0. Still 3-0, still a ball game. But that was really the moment where I was like, oh, okay, here we go. How much longer is Kelly going to go? They leave him in for a little bit longer. Eventually, Joe Mantiply comes in to try and keep this game 3-0 against Bryson Stott. And this was by far, or as we say, the key moment of the game. Because we have two outs. It is still 3-0. There's a guy on first base. That is Trey Turner. And at 3 nothing, Joe Mantiply, we need Joe Mantiply to get Bryson Stott out. Because if he doesn't, he has to face JT Romuto because that's the rule. And the three-batter minimum is not something that I feel like we've talked about like directly that much over the last few years. But it is undeniably a massive deal. I like it. I, I honestly love it. I think it's great because it forces managers to kind of make these take these risks and put them in yeah. situations where it puts so much pressure on that loogie to get that out. And once he doesn't get that out, now you're really holding on for dear life and boom. So be fruitful and Mantiply allows a single to the left-hander Stott. Real Muto comes up, double into the gap, and that's when the floodgates open. Intentional walk to Castellanos, Brandon Marsh double, Johan Rojas ground out. And the inning, and it is six nothing. Six, six nothing. Sorry. Yep. And it's like, oh well. There are sometimes there's a moment in a game where when I have to write, I'll move from my seat in the press box into the dining room just so I can really lock in. And when it was six nothing, that was kind of my call. Then the Phillies score four more. <laughs> I mean, this <laughs> is just Ryan Nelson. Just who, by the way, like I I thought you had mentioned at some point he would maybe be in line to start Game Four. I guess that's I guess not. Probably not going to happen, so that's going to be really interesting. We know it's going to be Brandon Fon Game Three, but anyway, I mean, we didn't really have to go through the specifics. I mean, it just it just gets ugly. There's a horrible drop pop up 
uh, on the infield between where like Evan Longoria for some reason like allows Ryan Nelson to call him off, which is just an inexplicable defensive gap for everybody involved. And then by you know you you look up and it's ten nothing, and it's 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 a disaster. It is a total disaster for Arizona. Again, they they really were in this one for those first five and a half innings. Uh, Merrill Kelly was was really as good as you could ask of him in, in this situation facing this team in this ballpark. And then they, again, chose to really not use their best relievers. They could have gone to Saul Frank in that spot against Stott, and they didn't. Mantiply has not been good this season. I know most of them have been good, but then Ryan Nelson just, just didn't have it, and that game was over pretty quickly. Let's talk about the eighth inning, bottom of the eighth. Rob Thompson, Phillies manager, empties the bench. He gets his, his freshman... He gets his freshman semi-pass. <laughs> Jake Cave with a freshman. You know, Jake Cave into the game. Pinch no, 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 no. Jake Cave, Jake Cave is is the fifth-year senior who's not very good. He sucks. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. oh, well, we love him. So let's get this guy an A-B. <laughs> Jake Cave, double, gets thrown out, trying to stretch it into a triple and a 10-0 to game, which is outstanding stuff. I just got to say, the, the Phillies fans were still standing. When J.K. was hitting, not all of them. The people behind home plate were were looking a little sleepy. I, I don't blame them, but the fact that we still had people standing up before he put the ball in the gap and started running was just like this is this is lunacy. People were locked in though for an opportunity to maybe witness Garrett Stubbs, the iconic cult hero backup catcher. Would he get his first postseason plate appearance? There has been a lot of discussion. About this. Has there? Has the, there? Has there? For Jake? those of us around Philly's world. <laughs> Has there been a lot of okay. discussion about this? Will Garrett Stubbs get his postseason plate appearance? One of the funny things, this is like a, a week ago in the wild card round, like Stubbs doesn't play, duh. Real Muto was great, duh. And the Athletics' Matt Gelb in the clubhouse after the game, just like walking by Garrett, he goes, great job today, Garrett. Garrett's like, thanks, man. <laughs> I really caught Zach Wheeler really well in between innings. Appreciate it. Uh, however, the lineup does not get to Stubbs' spot. He does come into the game for defense in the ninth. Unfortunately, that first postseason plate appearance will have to wait. I will say, though, first of all, quick aside, who is the Phillies' third catcher? Obviously not on the roster. Do you know who that is? I believe it is Rafael Marchand. It is Marchand. He's still, he's still around? He is not around. He's not around. They don't even have a third catcher around. There is no third catcher around, as far as I can tell. <laughs> that is, I, I mean, I know you've literally been around there then the whole time. I don't believe there is not a third catcher there. I, I, I just like I, I'm not down. Like I'm, I hate because Marshawn like was a, there last year for sure. He was definitely. I remember last year. seeing it. Okay. I don't think he's around. I think he's in Florida with the. The Reese Hoskins, Michael Plasmeyer, stay ready team. Yeah, that's that is absurd. To not have a third catcher in the building is an outrageous decision. But again, tells the story of both JT Real Muto and Garrett Stubbs. The one other thing I'll mention about Garrett Stubbs finished the season pretty hot. Hit his first homer of the year on September 27th, and then got two hits in the final day of the regular season um, in his start. So he, you know, he he got some run there. So again. How many innings is it going to take? What kind of injury to JT Real Muto, God forbid, that we're going to uh, need to get Stubbsy back in the game? But um, it was great. Oh, the other thing, and I'll just, whatever, we, we love Garrett. Um, him coming in the game, which obviously you're there, whatever. 
he looks so small <laughs> compared, compared to JT when he is back there. Like it is just such a stark uh, contrast when he comes in the game. But love the guy, obviously. Anyway, so that uh, is well, – we will have to wait for him to hit, but we did see him put the gear on uh, and catch that final inning of Ryan Kirkering. Closing the 10 nothing game out. It was a good, it was nice to see them complete the shutout. It was a situation where even Strom looked like shit and Kirkering the command was eh. And it was like, oh, like not that it matters, but like, oh, like you want to, you want to finish the shutout. And they did. And they got Jeff Hoffman back into a game after he allowed that Austin Riley homer. I don't know if we've seen him since then. That was a good sign. He looked great. He looked really good. He looked really good. That's huge for them moving forward. Two more things. One, Austin Nola. Two, John, uh, Tommy Pham. Aaron, Aaron Actually, Nola. Actually, Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola. Hey, but was Austin, Austin Nola there? I've, I've been wondering if Austin Nola... Like, I, I don't know if he's still with the Padres. I know he wasn't playing much in the second half. I have not seen Austin Nola. Okay. Maybe he's the third catcher who <laughs> okay. could say. He might as well be. He might as well be. Anyway, um, let's sorry, start continue. with Aaron Tommy Pham. Go ahead. Let's start, I want to start with Tommy Pham, who after the game said to uh, John Heyman of the New York Post, about these first two games, quote, we're getting fucking humbled here, which is just awesome because, yeah, that is exactly what's happening. That is, if, if anyone's going to give it to you straight, it's Tommy Pham. So, um, yeah, he's, I mean, he's absolutely correct, which is good. That's probably the message that they all need, right? Not that anyone is stunned by these two, you know, games outcomes, but um, this was certainly a disappointing showing. There's a different type of player who would be like, yeah, you know, we were really in both of these games. A couple other hits fall a couple different ways, and like, you know, ball game, ball game goes our way. And Tommy fans like, we are getting just obliterated and humbled. Like yep. we, this is bad. It's and like, and for, you, for the fans. second night in a row, and this is a good transition to Nola. While yes, the bullpen completely collapsed in the second half. The problem was they couldn't score. Like their offense is just not doing anything. Christian Walker, I guess, finally got a hit late, but he has just not looked very good. Fam has not looked good at all. Uh, we've had, you know, Carroll hasn't done that much. Marte's been the one that's put together some some solid ABs, but it just hasn't been happening for them on offense at all. And and of course they're facing two of the best pitchers left in the postseason. But that's that's why really why they're they're not competitive in these games. Let's talk about Nola. There is a solid chance this was his last ever home start as a Philly. Okay, let me explain. Nola is a free agent at the end of the year. A return is like 50-50. It could totally happen. Another team could totally outbid the Phillies. But this will be the first time he reaches free agency. He's been with the Phillies for nine years. They drafted him in 2014. They called him up right away in 2015. He has been there ever since. He's the longest tenured Philly. I believe he is the longest tenured pitcher on any team in the postseason. Oh, in the okay. oh, interesting. Okay. In the right, postseason. Right, because Clayton right Kershaw got eliminated. Because Clayton so. Kershaw got eliminated. I don't know if you saw that, but Clayton Kershaw got eliminated. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But he got super eliminated. It's very eliminated. So let's say he doesn't come back. The odds of a game six at Citizens Bank Park look low right now. <laughs> I don't want to bury the Diamondbacks, but this smells like five games. That part, that part I agree with, yes. Okay. So, no game six for Aaron Nola at home. Fast forward to the World Series. If the Rangers win the ALCS, which this is a maybe. I mean, you, you don't want to bet against the Astros. The Rangers are up 2-0 going home. The Rangers win the ALCS. The World Series would start in Texas. And so, Nola would throw game two. 
in Texas and then game six again in Texas, which means he would not make another home start this postseason. And if he leaves tonight would have been his last home postseason or his last home start as a Philly. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways this could not be true. I understand that. I'm aware. But more than ever before, there's a chance that this was it. Nola has made more starts in that ballpark than every other human being except for Cole Hamels. Hmm. Okay. He has owned that space. He is the link to the bad Phillies and the link to the good Phillies. He overlapped with Cole Hamels, Jordan, for 10 days. Aaron Nola was called up on July 21st, 2015. Hamels was traded to Texas on July 31st, 2015. And after... Nola's debut start, Hamels had a quote where he was like, that guy's nails. He's going to pitch in the postseason one day. That's the type of dude you want throwing in big games. And here we are. Mm -hmm. And so to see Nola in that spot in that moment was very, very cool. He lived up to it. He shoved and it was cool. The other thing I'll add to him is, especially since, you know, you keep kind of hinting at his free agency, which I think is fair. But the, the fun fact you just gave, which is, which is a great one that, you know, all those starts in Citizens Bank Park. I thought you were going to share the fun fact, which I was going to say, which is that he's made more starts than any major league pitcher over the last six seasons. This is the king of durability in this generation of pitchers. It is him. It is Garrett Cole. Over the last five years, it is those two, and it is everybody else. Jose Barrios, not too far behind. Um, but again, we've seen all, all of our favorite pitchers usually have a season where they miss a month or two. Or they get Tommy John, right? And they miss a whole year. That has happened to so many guys. Aaron Nola, that has not been the case. And so while the ERA consistently underwhelms, you look at his ERA over the last three years and you say, what's so special about this guy? The durability is going to get him paid to an extreme degree. Now there is a version, as is a shitty way to, to spin this, there's another guy who's <laughs> was healthy the whole time and then wasn't healthy anymore. And his name is Felix Hernandez, right? There's versions of this where the mileage catches up to you. So that will be yeah. the risk that teams are weighing on you. Now that there was a lot else going on with Felix, obviously, right? There's other yeah. examples of this too. But at the same time, like that is what is going to be fascinating with him compared to like a Blake Snell type, right? That is, I'm so excited to see who gets more because I can see Snell getting more per year, but like Nola's going to get paid because you know what you're getting. He's pitched exactly every has not missed a start for six straight seasons. And the reason I would take Nola mm -hmm. is because he, not only is he reliable in the regular season, he has shown us the high end in the postseason. Sure. We sure. have seen him dominate on this stage. Yeah. Yeah. Would you rather have like a dominant Blake Snell over like a regularly good Aaron Nola? Yeah. But if you're building a roster and you want to like have something that's more reliable that you can bet on, for me, it's Nola. Totally. Very impressed by him. I've enjoyed kind of being around him this postseason. Mm -hmm. I wrote a little bit about this at Fox tonight, but... The progression of him from very Louisianan mm -hmm. to losing his accent, from going from someone who like ate 730 pounds of crawfish in one winter to traveling with a pour over coffee set. Like the Northeast has changed this man. He's been there for a while. <laughs> he's been there for a while off the field. He's still very subdued. He's still very calm. He's still very quiet. He's still very much the same guy in a lot of ways. The exterior has altered somewhat, which is totally understandable. And so if this really is the end of him in this city, it has been a very cool run. Yeah. Jordan, let's take a break. Let's and do it. And when we get back, we will very briefly preview 
Game 3 of the American League Championship Series. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a quick housekeeping note about our merch. Look, in Australia, we love clothes and almost always wear them. If you're like us and also enjoy dabbling in clothes wearing, then why not consider some official Baseball Barbercast merchandise? Whether it's a jumper you're after, which you would call a sweatshirt, a cap, which we would call an old hair hugger, or a shirt, which we would call a belly wrap, we have it all for you. But that's not all. Do you also like to drink water or caffeinated beverages? Well, that's great because we have mugs and bottles to help you quench your thirst too. To buy any of this merch, go to podswag.com slash baseball. The link is in the description of the podcast. And don't leave yourself clothesless this And welcome back to Baseball Barbercast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Enough about the National League. We're true Americans. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the American League. Head on down to Texas. Oh, Game yeah. three, Rangers, Astros. And this one has a heterochromatic twist. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, we will see the return of Max Scherzer, who we last saw pitch on September 12th. He was actually throwing a gem uh, against the Toronto Blue Jays, but then he walked off the mound in the sixth inning saying, hey, uh, my everything hurts. My shoulder in particular. We find out he has some sort of, I think it was called a terrace strain, uh, some sort of strain, but at the time it was done for the regular season and the quote at the time from Chris Young was very unlikely to pitch in the postseason. He did not say it is not happening, but he said very unlikely. Now, there were a lot of things going into that. That was how far the Rangers going to make it, right? If they didn't go undefeated and get to this point, yeah, he wouldn't have pitched, right? But all these things have lined up to a perfect storm to allow Max Scherzer, who obviously has worked very hard to get back, to pitch in the postseason indeed for these Texas Rangers. And Jake, I got to be honest, I'm not feeling great about it. (laughs) Totally agree. (laughs) But now I love it. Because as we've said a million times, what is the postseason about? Entertainment. And I understand it because when you consider the other Texas Rangers options to start these games, now credit to Andrew Heaney and, you know, what we've seen from some of the longer guys, obviously Dane Dunning and even Cody Bradford in longer outings. We haven't really seen Martin Perez. Like, they clearly have a little bit more depth than we thought. But do you want to tell Max Scherzer if he's healthy? No, you can't pitch. No. But credit to Max Scherzer, who, of course, knows his body as well as anything and is as honest as you'll see. They asked him, I think today, like, "Hey, like, what do you what do you expect? Do you know?" He's like, "I have, I, I cannot tell you what I know what is going to happen." He's like, "I have no idea what to expect. I've never come back like this in the postseason and tried to pitch after this." He's like, "I, I don't know." <laughs> and so, no, that was part of what gives me a little bit of, of pause and concern. I also just feel like the last time he faced the Astros, they absolutely blasted him. That was the start before his last start before he got injured, and that was also at home uh, in Texas, where I think Houston's going to hit a little bit better. At the same time, is this a bad idea? Is this reckless? Like, I don't know. I don't care. I'm excited to watch it. It's just going to be something. So let me push back on something. Hmm? Max Scherzer knowing his body. I believed this. I agreed with this for a while. Max Scherzer in 2019 didn't know his body well enough. (laughs) So then he woke up on the morning of a start and was like, I can't go today. Maybe... That's a crazy situation. He couldn't have known it the day before, whatever. But that doesn't sound like knowing your body. And then last year in the wild card start for the Mets against the Padres, he got obliterated. And after the game was like, well, I don't know why my stuff was down. And I think that credit to Scherzer for what, you know, knowing his body or being a veteran or knowing how to pitch, whatever. 
age does come for you eventually. And it has even come for Justin Verlander. He has found ways to dodge time. But Scherzer has, in this next stage of him, has yet to prove to me that he can do it on this stage with this current body. And it is weird to doubt Scherzer or a pitcher like Scherzer in the same way that it is weird to doubt Kershaw or a pitcher like Kershaw. But I think it's important to draw a distinction between doubting the totality of Max Scherzer and doubting what Max Scherzer on Wednesday, October 18th, is physically capable of doing. So therefore, I would love to be proved wrong. I would love for him to go out there and dominate and turn the clock back and throw eight scoreless and whatever. But I think it is just worth noting for you fine folks, the listeners, if your uncle who doesn't watch a lot of ball this year is, is tuning in, like this is not going to be vintage Max Scherzer. Yeah, pr- probably not. But that's the thing. Like, But this is the other challenging part about this and kind of analyzing it is if he gets blasted, it's also possible because – Sometimes Max Scherzer has gotten blasted when he's been healthy. Like that's also a version we've seen of him. And so while it's going to be easy to be like, oh, well, he hasn't pitched in a month, that's true. And maybe that is the case. Like we'll also know because it's possible he comes out there, he throws well for two innings, and then his velos, he's throwing 92 mile an hour fastballs in the third, right? That's very possible. He could just leave. He could just get hurt again, right? There's so many versions of this. We're rooting for Max because I freaking love Max Scherzer. The dude's a, a total maniac in the best way. And that he is putting himself in position to do this is great theater first and foremost. And that, especially as someone who is very much not a Rangers or Astros fan, I look forward to seeing what that looks like regardless of the outcome. But it is quite the calculated risk by everybody involved. And in a bizarre way, he is not the most volatile starter in this game. (laughs) That's not true. true. I I would have agreed with that a while ago, but the way that Christian Javier has been throwing recently, I mean, he looked uh, fantastic uh, in his start against Minnesota. He looked fantastic in his final regular season start against Arizona. He looked fantastic against, you know, like he's, he's really started to kind of put it together. Um, And yeah, but at the same time, his challenge is now he's, Facing Texas at home, which is one of the the most um, aggressive and impressive offenses we have in the game. The last time he faced Texas at home in Arlington was the worst start of his entire season. He allowed eight earned runs in four and a third innings Mm -hmm. on July 3rd. A lot has changed in the world. The Astros actually won that game (laughs) 12 to 11 somehow. Mm -hmm. However, that is worth noting. Yeah, you have that. And then, as I just mentioned before, like that Scherzer-Verlander matchup that we were all looking forward to in early September, you know, Scherzer gave up seven runs um, and three homers. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Uh, I think Texas has got to be feeling good with how they played, especially offensively at home. But Javier has certainly started to look um, a little bit more locked in. So I I don't really have much else for this game. Do you have any uh, final thoughts on on game three? Yeah, the one thing to note is – the Astros have been so weirdly bad at home all year and so definitively good on the road. I don't totally believe in those types of splits all the time, but they've given us a reason to. And so we could see a scenario where the Astros win this game and it's similar to the 2019 World Series. Remember, they lost the first two at home and it was like, well, they're dead. And then they went to D.C. and they were like, oh, well, we're alive. <laughs> so I think if they roll tomorrow... This series is far from over. Tomorrow, t- tonight, whatever. We're recording this on whatever on Tuesday night. Uh, the point is, is we will be back on Thursday morning 
to recap that game three between the Rangers and the Astros. At this stage, we do not know starters for game four, which is is going to be very interesting for those teams in particular. You know, John Gray also got added to the roster, so maybe we see him. Maybe we see the Heaney-Dunning combination in that game. And for Houston as well, we don't, we don't know for sure. We saw J.P. France in relief um, the other day, so would we see him in a start? I don't know. All that said... Let's end this podcast, Jake. It is very late here on the East Coast, and we would like to go to sleep and sleep in because we have completed our obligations as baseball talking and writing people for this day. And for that, I am grateful. Uh, Jake, final thoughts. I hope you enjoy sleeping in. My flight to Arizona (laughs) departs in exactly four hours. All right. So Jake will not be sleeping in. He will be sleeping on the plane. Hopefully he makes it to Arizona safe and sound. And I got to say, I'm... For the first time, Jake, of this postseason, I am legitimately jealous because you will be checking off a ballpark that neither of us have been to. And so I look forward to your report back uh, from Chase Field. Maybe you can get a get a little uh, behind the scenes of the pool and whatnot. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing all about that. But we will, of course, be back on Thursday with a recap of that ALCS Game 3. Looking ahead to uh, NLCS uh, Game 3, I guess. Um, but until then, thank you all for listening. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this in the morning. We didn't make him stay up. That would have been ridiculous. Uh, but thank you to Chris Tyler for producing, as always. Thank you, everyone who's been listening and supporting us. Again, you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Email us, baseballbarbercast at gmail.com. Get your merch, podswag.com slash baseball. Guess what? There's more new merch on the way. Stay tuned for that. We have new designs coming very soon. So looking forward to seeing those. Uh, let us know. If you if you have some, send us some pictures. We would love to see them. But anyway, thank you all for listening. We'll be back soon. This has been Baseball Barbercast. Jake Mintz, good luck on your travels to the desert. Do you think the Philly Fanatic has a passport? Sirius XM Podcasts. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.